this is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today, I am delighted to have Bobby Casey. Bobby is the Managing Director of Global Wealth Protection. It's a company that helps entrepreneurs and investors internationalize their business, their wealth, and their life. Uh, if you all know me, you know that you know I'm an expat entrepreneur, and uh, you know traveling and uh, being an entrepreneur simultaneously is something that I love to do. And if it's something you want to do and kind of be a bit more st- strategic to fall in compliance with taxes and to really maximize your freedom, uh, I definitely recommend that you keep your antennas up for this interview. Bobby, welcome. Hey, how you doing today? Uh, I always say. Uh, as long as I wake up, it's a good day. So so far, everything's good. <laughs> yeah, you, you, usually I, when I get that question, I tell people it's it's always the best day of my life. It's the one I'm living in. That's so. right. That's right. So um, you know, all of our t- kind of stories could probably be a book in itself. But if you kind of condense it, Bobby, you know, how did Bobby get started as far as being an entrepreneur and eventually internationalizing himself? Well, Callan, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur. I, you know, my grandpa and my uncle, when I was, you know, actually before I was born even, owned a chain of restaurants. My dad owned a construction company and then did real estate development. As far as I was concerned my entire life, I, I never, ever had the, the idea in my head was never to, you know, go to high school, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, so on. Like, I, I never even thought about that. So the reality is I've always been an entrepreneur or I, I call it a hustler. You know, I've always been a hustler because, you know, even as a kid, I'm buying and selling stuff. I'm mowing yards. I'm doing side jobs, doing all kinds of things. I mean, as, as an adult, I've never really had a job. Mm-hmm. Um I started my first business when I was 19. Some I, I did a radio show recently, and one of the questions was, "Tell us, you know, about your first job as an adult and how you transitioned." Mm-hmm. And I I don't even know what my first job was really as an adult. Like I I had a couple of jobs when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, I mean, I, I remember I waited tables at one point at a restaurant. I did some phone sales for something. I can't even remember what we were selling. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty sure I was fired from all of my jobs. I'm an absolute horrible employee. Um, don't if, if I ever send you a resume, just throw it away because absolutely, positively, don't hire me. I'm terrible. <laughs> that's actually um, something we have in common, Bobby. I, I, I'm a horrible employee as well, and that's why I became an entrepreneur. Like I just, I just, you know, like I do not like authority. I don't like people telling me what to do. You know, I like to kind of do my own thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I like cooperation. You know, I like working with other people on things that and where I share the same interests or perhaps it can make a difference uh, in, in a community or something like that. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I'm definitely a horrible employee as well. 
Yeah, so I've, I've never really had an, a job as, as a, a real job as an adult. Like, I never had that professional career job. I really just went right into hustling. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I started a business when I was 19 that failed miserably. I started another business about a year or so later, which, you know, probably did worse. Um, and then I started something at 21 that did pretty well. And I ran that business for, oh, what, 12, 13 years, something like that, before I sold it. During the time with that business, I'm still hustling. I owned a restaurant. Um, I owned, I, I did a bunch of real estate development. I had a couple other business deals like during that time. So for me, it's just a mindset. It's not even so much about making a conscious decision. It's not about making a conscious decision to be an entrepreneur. I'd have to make a conscious decision to get a job. That would be, that would be tough for me. Being an entrepreneur is like breathing, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just in my nature. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought so. that up. I'm glad you brought that up, Bobby. Uh, especially regarding the fact that your first two businesses failed. Um, many people, unfortunately, have that fear about failing. And, <laughs> and, and in fact, the reality is we're we're constantly failing at things. You know, and a business oh. is just another thing that we do. But you know, but your 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 persistency is what made you successful. You know, you said after you two businesses, you, you start getting into real estate, which you had success with. You started, uh, you had a restaurant, which you also had success with. So, uh, I think people have to realize that you know, you know, we fail on multiple levels on you know on pretty much in every aspect of our life. You know, I think what counts is oh. the, the the opportunity to be able to get up again. Yeah, I, uh, no, no doubt what's no doubt whatsoever. When I say my first two businesses fail, that was not the end of my failures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those just happened to be the first two of my failures. Uh-huh. Um, no, I've, I've, had, I've had some, some very, very epic failures. Um, that's just the first two. I mean, even, even in my business that was successful, I had epic failures. I had you know, different things we did within the business that cost tons of money and we just had to close down because it just didn't work. Uh-huh. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I thought about this the other day. I was talking to somebody. So I'm, I'm 42. Uh-huh. So my, my working, my business career, so to speak, has been 20, what, 19 to 40, 23 years. Uh-huh. And in the past 23 years, um, as best I can tell, I may have missed a few, but I've started, bought, and or sold um, about 13 businesses. Mm. Now, um, that's even not an accurate number because the company I started when I was 21, I actually bought several businesses during that phase and merged them in with my company. That company did fairly well. And so we ended up buying some competitors and merging them in. I don't even count those as ones that we, those were not companies, you know, we bought or sold that as far as I'm concerned, that was one business. So, and I've, I've had some failures there. I remember one of those companies we bought, uh, it was an absolute complete and total waste of money. It just, it died. It died on the table. Um, you know, so, yeah, Fail, failure. Failure is a part of any entrepreneur's journey. Start 
with a free audiobook. Go to reachinthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. You may not have a lot of free time, but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane, on the bus, or even while you're driving. Go to reachinthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook. Honestly, I, I don't think everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's a good thing or a bad thing, um, but I, I think from uh, an, an emotional or um, especially emotional, but a mental or an emotional standpoint, I don't think some people have the, the, the mentality required. Like like I said, I've, I've been a hustler my whole life, and as, as you know, Kalen, that what is what does that really mean for us as entrepreneurs or hustlers? It means, you know, one month we make great money and then we don't see a client again for two months and we're like, holy, holy crap, you know, how am I gonna, how am I going to pay rent this month, right? Yeah. And then and then in your third month, all of a sudden the floodgates open and then you're like, wow, I, you know, I'm eating lobster and caviar and, you know driving courses this this month right so it's it's always kind of um for most entrepreneurs there is a feast or a famine so that is emotionally stressful to be able to do that and if you don't have the right mentality for it then it's it'll eat it'll eat you up you know and yeah i i I think looking on the flip side you know it's definitely the same case of uh, as far as being an employee, like I feel like I feel like the same problem lies. It's just different on different sides of the coin. So if we're an employee, you can work with a let's say a, a big corporation, you know, and you know perhaps you try to you, you know you try you try to kiss butt your whole life to try to get ahead and get promoted and get tenure and all that, and then and then once you know you can get fired and, and then you can't take let's say that five seven years experience elsewhere because that company will give you a bad reference so it's uh it's it's really um it's it's just it's kind of again i think it applies uh kind of both ways but i just think it's i think i think it's kind of different on uh both sides of course so really really it's anyone um, is going to have those types of concerns whether they are entrepreneur or employee i just Personally, I believe that the main difference, and perhaps the, the you know that I prefer, and I will recommend people, is that at least as an entrepreneur, you have control over your destiny. I I, I, I hear this a lot. You know, hey, you know, I like you know, uh, I'm working at this job, and I always ask my boss for Friday and Saturday off, and he keeps giving me Tuesday and Thursday or Monday and Wednesday. Well, see, that that, that that's one of the things you sacrifice. When you work for someone, uh, you know who you take your lunch break. How many hours you work? You know, if if the the boss has a crappy day, he takes that on you. You just gotta suck it up. You know, so <laughs> uh, it's it's uh it's it's those type of things. And and kind of going on what you said um, uh, earlier, Bobby. I think people can develop that entrepreneur menta- mentality. I don't. I mean, I think it may take a while, you know, because people are not used to uncertainty, embracing uncertainty. So it can take a while, but you know, I think it's worth at least trying it, you know, before you go back to your job. And I'm not saying trying to oh, I, oh, I, you know, I'm gonna do one business if it fails, I'm going back to my job. You know, I mean, at least at least, at least give it at least at least uh, uh, dedicate yourself for a while to it. And I, I don't know, let's say after maybe you know 
three or five years, you know, if, if it's still not something you want to do, then hey, you know, by all means, go back to uh, a nine to five job. I just really think that if more people tried it, they will find it to be worth their while. Like you said, there, there is that is a perception of stability that that is kind of a, a false sense of stability. But people see it because obviously that company can get sold. Mm -hmm. The next owner can close down that entire department. Mm -hmm. Your job is now obsolete. You're out. You know, somebody else can come up the ranks through the company and take your job because they're willing to do a little bit better or a little bit cheaper. I mean, there's always, there's always that issue. So it is a perception of stability, but it's the mindset of the person and the, the way they accept it. Whereas me and probably you, Kalen, as of today, you know, now I, I have some other income streams that, that I've developed over time and through some investments and other things also. But at least in my core business, as of today, I have no idea whether I'm going to make money tomorrow or not. Yeah. I have no clue. I have no clue if I will ever get another customer from today forward. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a great. That's a great point, Bobby. Uh, I I had a conversation with uh, with with two other uh, entrepreneurs uh, the other day, and uh, you know that was something that I was trying to kind of explain to them. You know, like you know, I mean, I, I I've I've seen I've seen those two as well as uh, many other other people they socialize with have a lot of success. You know, but I try to explain to them that you know, it, like it's not, it's not guaranteed you're going to make that the next month, next month. So when people ask me, you know, how much do I make, I can say, well, I can tell. I wish I made last month, but I mean, just because, just, right. just because, <laughs> just because, just because I made, you know, you know, this amount of month last month, month for that, it doesn't mean I'm gonna make the same amount this month or next month. So, you know, when people always say, you know, what's the average? You know, that's, you know, it depends. You know, it, it depends on because, like you, <laughs> like you, I, what's what's the average? See, that that's a funny question to me. You say, well. You say, I don't know. A couple of months ago, I made thirty grand. Last month, I made three hundred dollars. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> what's the average? You do the average, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I agree. It takes a special. I think it takes a special mentality of a person who's willing to accept tomorrow's uncertainty. Now, with that said, like you, like you said, it, it's not necessarily impossible for somebody to acquire that skill. I've got a really good friend of mine who has a sideline business. Um, he's selling some products on Amazon. He branded his own product. He's doing extremely, extremely well selling this product on Amazon. Um, but he will not quit his job. He has a regular, you know, nine to five kind of corporate job. His side business Actually, it, last time I talked to him, we discussed numbers anyway, his sideline business was making him about twice what his regular paycheck is. And he still mentally won't make the, the jump to be, you know, purely a hustler because mentally he's not, he can't do it. He's not, he's not of the mindset that, that's willing to accept that uncertainty. Now, but back to the perception of, of um, stability, I think he's a little bit silly because, I mean, he's also in an industry that could easily, he could easily be eliminated pretty quickly and his job goes away. Want the full episode? You can get it 
among other benefits, when you become a premium radio subscriber. Go to patreon.com forward slash Callan. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash K-A-L-L-E-N. When you go to patreon.com forward slash Callan, choose one of the premium subscription levels for it's just another tool to help you reach your finish line. I also get his point too. Um, he's married. He's got a, a young kid. He gets pretty good health care benefits. He has a 401k. His job is not hard. Um, he has an office and he can do his side business at work. His boss knows he does his side business at work and they don't care as long as it doesn't impede his productivity. Mm-hmm. So he has a pretty good situation and he does have that income coming in and he kind of likes what he does. But it's a different mindset. I totally agree. Uh, to me, it's a different mindset of, of, the, of the person that is required. So if you are going to take the, the leap from corporate person to entrepreneur, it is going to take, you know, as they call it, some intestinal fortitude, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be able to understand that the moment you take that leap, you have no idea if you're going to get paid tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. You have to be willing to accept that as a fact and deal with it on an emotional level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and really, that's what it comes to. A person really has to be comfortable with embracing uncertainty. And it's really it's, it's, it's some, it's something that may take a little while depending on uh, a person's temperament. So uh, again, I, I definitely recommend it because I mean, it's 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 one of the, it's one of the best ways to, to live a fulfilling life, and, and and the more comfortable you get with it, the more the more uh, uh, the more uh, the more uh, less fearful you are of taking risk. Uh, but but I know a lot of people are waiting; they're on the edge of the seats to to hear about kind of kind of you know you know you know you know uh, the, the type of way to internationalize uh, your lifestyle as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So let's get right into it um Bobby, okay. how did you start uh how did you start get into this type of uh or how did you learn about uh international lifestyle saving money and uh having more freedom so as as a kid i, I told you you know my my dad was uh, an entrepreneur um by training and background he was an accountant mm-hmm. he was a cpa and so our, our family dinner table discussions frequently, especially as I got into my teen years, were all about business, yeah. um, tax planning, corporate structure, uh, you know, all these different things. Like I, I remember having a discussion with my dad when I was like 13, 14 years old about how to structure an ESOP plan for your company. I don't know if you know what an ESOP plan is, but it's a employee stock ownership plan. Mm. It's it's a it's a it's a type of retirement plan that private companies use to actually buy out um, the shares of their company. So basically, it's it's kind of like a four. Imagine you work for this small comp, small privately owned company, and the four hundred one k buys stock in your own company. So as an employee. You actually own your the company you work for. So, me, I remember like 13, 14 years old discussing the intricate details of setting up an ESOP plan for a private company. 
those are the kind of those are the kind of dinner table discussions I had as a kid. So interesting. It's, it's glad that your parents actually uh, kind of you know kind of give you a solid footing uh, to kind of uh, uh, make it much easier to expose you to things like that. Because I mean, obviously, as you got older, uh, you was much more familiar with it, and it was easier for you to continue on uh, to have a business like that. Uh, so uh, let's get right into some of these uh, really uh, these uh, uh, exciting questions that I'm sure that the listeners. Uh, they, they they would like to know about, and let's start first, Bobby. Uh, with what do you think? Which is the, which is the best passport to have in the world right now? Well, Ken, let let me finish real quick on that because I wanted to give you a quick run in. But, okay. So I'll, I'll get to your passport question in just a second because that's a really really great question, and I've I've got a I've got a, a kind of a different answer for you, probably something you're not expecting, but. <clears throat> um, so as a kid, I'm, I'm raised literally, you know, learning about tax planning and corporate structure and that sort of thing. And over time, just I studied it, I researched it, I became very, very good at it. So in 2001, I started doing some consulting just for my friends because, and this is another key point too, I think, is my sphere of influence for most all of the friends that I have now and have had for the past 20 years, most all of them have been entrepreneurs. Not all of them running big, huge, successful businesses. Some of them are solopreneur guys just doing you know, their own hustling gig on the side. But my sphere of influence somehow, I think it was planned, but maybe it's just somehow subconscious, but I really only have friends that that are hustlers, mm-hmm. okay? And so at that time in 2001, I was running my other company for a few years and it was doing very, very well at that point. I became very, very, I mean, at that point, I don't wanna get into details of that business, we can if you really want to, but um, I've been running that company for a few years. We were doing several million dollars a year in revenue and we were covering mo- more than half the US at that point. Um, with a with a, a service that we offered around the country. And so I had learned a lot about corporate structure and how to minimize risk and how to minimize taxes in my own business. So I had a lot of friends coming to me with their businesses saying, can you help me do something like that mm-hmm. as well? So kind of as a, as a sideline in 2001, I started doing that. Fast forward a little bit. Um, during that period between 2001 and 8, I ended up selling off some of my business interests. And around 2006, um, I, I don't know, call it a, what's that, 10, 11, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, so I would have been 32. Around 10 years ago, I had somewhat of a, what's called a midlife crisis, for lack of a better word. I like to think of it more as a quarter-life crisis because I'm going to live to be about 120. But um, Save here. <laughs> yeah, so, so let, let's call it a quarter-life crisis. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not dying at 64. Um, I, uh, I had kind of a midlife crisis and kind of realized I hated my customers. I hated uh, my employees. I, I, in general, I hated the business I was in. And I'm 32, by no means an old guy, but certainly not getting younger every day. And I started thinking, can I imagine myself doing this business 10 years from now? And I'm like, absolutely not. I don't want to be doing it today. So what do I need to do to get out of it 
now. Hey, did you know that podcast advertising is one of the most engaging types of digital advertising? Cast.market makes it easy to advertise on podcasts. Sign up and try the campaign creator today. Target quality shows specific to your product or service. Enter my podcast code Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N, and my show will automatically be included and site fees will be waived. Go to cast.market today. I took a, a trip. <clears throat> I took a trip. Um, I, I, I jokingly call, call it my mancations, but I took a trip alone to kind of reflect on my life and what's going well, what's going bad, what I need to do to make some changes. And I really came to the realization that the problem is for me, and most everybody, to be honest, is everything in our life revolves around our career. So I, 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 I like to tell people, imagine a dartboard. So you got a dartboard, and in the center of the dartboard, you have a little round circle, right? And that round circle is called the bullseye. And everything around that is a ring. And all the rings around it, you know, are things that surround that bullseye. Well, mo- in most people's lives, your career is the bullseye. And everything has to fit around the bullseye. You know, you, you go to school to get a career. You, you get that education in you know, finance or you become a doctor or whatever to get exactly that career. And then that career, everything has to fit around that career because it is the focal point of your life. You have <clears throat> where you go to lunch, where you go on vacation. What, what kind of house you live in, what part of the country you live in, what part of the world you live in, so on and so forth. And you have to kind of build your life around your career. And I realized I don't want my career as my bullseye. I wanted the lifestyle I wanted to live as my bullseye. Now, with that being said, I'm never going to be the next, uh, I don't know, Zuckerberg, whatever, that builds a billion-dollar business with that kind of mentality. If you're the kind of person that wants to build an empire, a billion-dollar empire or a hundred-million-dollar empire, you're going to have to put your career in the center focal point of your life because everything will revolve around it. It will be your life. Me personally, I wanted my lifestyle that I enjoyed living to be the focal point, and I wanted everything else to be a ring around that. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, so... Around 2006 is when I kind of reflected on that and realized up until that point, my business, my career was the bullseye and everything else was the ring around it. And I said, no more. I'm not dealing with this anymore. So I went through the process of selling my company. I got out of it. And at that time, I was doing this side consulting, uh, helping people restructure their businesses and, and their investment portfolios and how to minimize risk. and and minimize taxes and I realized actually that would be a pretty good fit for my career because I can do it from wherever I'm located um, I enjoy the clients I get to work with I love I love working with entrepreneurs all my friends are entrepreneurs so that would be my target client um, I had the ability to work on my schedule on my time there was a lot of processes I had the ability to automate through um, technology or outsourcing. And so it really fit the model of 
you know, to, to, to fit that lifestyle I wanted to live. And so around 2008 is when I made the transition to full-time doing that gig. And that's how I, as I call it, that's when I went down the rabbit hole into all the internationalization stuff that I do now. So now, you know, my core business is is the consulting and uh, corporate service work. So I help people, you know, set up their businesses. Um, we do consulting with clients. You know, maybe I've got some online e-commerce guy or somebody who sells products on Amazon who wants to be a digital nomad or something like that. And I help them set that business up correctly so that they minimize their tax burden, minimize the risk, and allow them to do better what they they know how to do, you know, and that's make money in their business. And that took me down the international path because, you know, like I said, I went down the rabbit hole. So now we have the U.S. corporate service business. We have the foreign corporate service business. Um, and, and then I do the consulting, helping people find the right structures. But, of course, that also took me down the path, helping people internationalize their business, their wealth, and their life and so that that is what our basically our core value became over time in the business was to help clients achieve their goals and dreams of internationalizing their business their wealth and their life now as far as contacting me uh, you can find us on our main website is uh, globalwealthprotection.com Com, globalwealthprotection.com. We publish a free newsletter. We send out a couple of content pieces per week. Um, I do quite a few um, like radio shows, like like the one here with Kaylin. So we a lot a lot of times we send those out too to our list so people can get exposure to other um, other podcast shows when I do interviews on there. So you can hear a lot of that stuff if that's interesting to you. But Kind of like I said before, our core value is teaching people how to internationalize their business, their wealth, and their life. So we publish a lot of content along those lines. So we have a free newsletter. Great. Bobby, thank you for being our guest. Thanks for having me, Kaylin. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist, has seen a fast company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.